What is up, everybody? My name is Matt Cordova. I'm the senior pastor here at The River, and we are excited that you are listening to our podcast. Now, before the message starts, there's three things that we would love for you to do. One, we would love for you to share it. Two, we would love for you to subscribe. And three, we would love for you to go and rate it. So the message is about to begin. I hope it encourages you, and I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. Behold the new, and what does that mean? We've entered into a new year. It's now 22, and so we're a month into that. Maybe you've had some aspirations. Maybe you've made some New Year's resolutions. And I'd like to challenge your concept of what new means. And this morning, we're going to focus on our main text being Isaiah 43, 19. 43, 19. If you don't know about Isaiah... He is a major Old Testament prophet, which means he has a very large book. He and God got together and talked a lot, and there's a very large book, and that's the reason he's considered a major prophet in the Old Testament. Now, when Jesus began his ministry, he actually quoted from Isaiah, which links him back to Old Testament prophecy, but he also laid out his mandate on the earth. Another great thing about Isaiah is back in AD 33, Rome came through and destroyed uh, Israel as a country. It was no longer a political entity. I mean, it existed on the map, but as far as a country goes, it was no longer a country. Now, back in 1948, right after World War II, they were trying to decide what to do with the Jewish populations, and they reconstituted the country of Israel. And so a lot of people put that time back into Isaiah and prophecies he made. So not only is he making prophecies from the past, he's also making prophecies in the future. Another great thing about Isaiah, it's full of beautiful poetry. If you've ever watched the movie or that series, The Chosen, that's online, I encourage you to do so. In one of those episodes, they're constantly quoting from the first few verses of chapter 43. And that prayer is, the Lord created you and formed you. Do not be afraid. I have rescued you. I have called you by name, and you belong to me. So Isaiah is a great book to get into. And like I said, this morning we'll be going through Isaiah 43. Uh, We'll start at 18, even though most of our focus will be in 19. And if you turn there, it says, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. In verse 19 it says, Behold, I will do something new. Now will it spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. So God tells Isaiah, hey, forget the things of the past. We're about to do something new, and can you see it? And so if you'll bow your heads, dear Lord, I just thank you for the chance to be up here this morning. It's a lifelong dream, so thank you for being a God who honors dreams and commitments and puts ideas in our hearts. And we just ask for those ideas to come alive this morning. I ask that the words I speak this morning not only honor those who came before me, those who are here now, but also in what we do in the future, Lord. Bless all those folks for making the choice to be here this morning. We thank you for this opportunity. We also thank you for the precipitation we got earlier in the week and the chance of more precipitation to come. We thank you for being a God who loves us and cares for us. Amen. And so part of this process of challenging the new and looking at the new is what does new mean when God says he's going to do something new? And I think a lot of times, like it says in the verse, can you not be aware of it? We have to get a new gaze. We have to look at it in a different way and get a new vision. A lot of times as Christians, a lot of times I think our vision stands and how we define our Christian walk and those around us is between two fences of sin and do not sin. So we're walking along this path and so on this side of sin and do not sin. But Jesus came to take all that away. He came to remove the sin and do not sin barriers and open up mercy and grace. And so now we have a chance to walk down this road 
And on each side of us is mercy and grace, and it brings freedom into us. In fact, in Romans 8 1, Paul sums it up this way. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So once you're in Christ Jesus, you have this amount of freedom to come over you to walk in ways you never imagined, to walk in a freedom that you never knew existed because before we were tied down and shackled by this other thing. Mercy and grace is how we must gaze at what is happening to us and what's to come. And so when you apply 43.19 to Jesus, who we are, it took sin out of our focus and moved it into a focus of mercy and grace. And if God says he's going to do something new, it's probably tethered to a lack of our understanding, but all gathered up in his sovereignty. If he says he's going to do something new, it means that sometimes we have to take our way out of our old understandings and move into this new thing he's doing, something we couldn't even imagine sometimes. And so here's Jesus, and he, he's walking around doing miracles, and it's like they're trying to, in the old, in, back in the Old Testament, they're trying to cling to that when he's doing something new altogether. I think for my own walk, it kind of looks like this, is for who knows that everybody in this room has a calling on your life. Everybody in this chair, every chair that's in this room, everybody has a calling in your life. I was told that from a very young age. Now, growing up in the church, I automatically thought that that meant I had to be a pastor. And so my whole life was spent sort of chasing this concept of being a pastor and getting into that pastoral role. But every time I tried, it just broke me out of church. I wanted to be a Christian with a mission, but every time I tried to step into that role, I couldn't. The doors were closed. The doors were locked a lot of times. And in fact, it took me out of church. And so a couple years ago, Ashley and I started studying under Bill and Kathy Johnson and this whole prophetic thing. Because who knows, in Ephesians, Ephesians 4, it talks about these different things you can be in the Bible. It says, he gave some as apostles, in verse 11 through 12, he says, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers for the equipping of the saints. And so, being raised in the church, all I ever saw was youth pastor, worship pastor, the pastor. And so, that was my focus. But once I stepped into this prophetic thing, I realized I'm allowed to be a prophet. I'm allowed to practice this prophetic gift. And I will guarantee you, I'll almost bet you $5 that any success you've seen in your life has been because you've stepped into one of these five roles and maybe you didn't even know it. And it's just a list. Some people try to make it to more than it is. But it says evangelists, pastors, teachers. It talks about prophets and pastors. So there's five different gifts there that he gave us to walk into. And once I realized that, and once I gave myself mercy and grace to step into that, it changed my life. It changed everything about my life. I could walk into my household and practice those gifts, and it would be whole different. I could walk into this church. I could walk into my workplace. And life would be different because I embraced that calling of what it meant to be in that prophetic gift. In fact, this Bible here is a testimony to how it changed my life. I recently changed jobs, and before I left, my boss said he went out and got the most expensive Bible he could find in Amarillo. And he presented it to me, not only as a testimony to the work I had done in that place, but also as a shield going into the new place. They gathered up funds, because once I embraced this calling, I could engage things in a different way. I could walk into situations in a different way. I could change the world around me, because I had been changed and understood why God created me. I could be a Christian with a mission and not worry about this pastor thing. I could move freely wherever I wanted and not have that 
Because I had this. I love Pastor Matt. He's a great pastor. Would do anything for him. I don't want his job. I want to be this guy. And I want to be this guy who supports him and encourages him along the way. And the same thing with my family. And so I had a choice. But I had to move into that new gaze of mercy and grace to walk into it because I wasn't raised that way. It's the difference between calling expectation and my understanding. And I think back in the Old Testament, going back to that, they had the same problem. Here was this new thing. Here was this Jesus walking around all the way from Nazareth to Jerusalem. And he was healing people and saying these things. And they didn't know what to do with him. It was this new thing happening all around them. And they quite didn't know how to fit him into that pegboard that they created. Healing people all the way from Nazareth to Jerusalem, they were trying to fit their ancient understanding and this new thing together, and they just couldn't do it. I think there was a man about that time who was born, and he couldn't walk. He had these legs, and he was born with them. And can you imagine... I mean, could you imagine being born with these two things and never realizing what they were made for or what they were created for? How useless. But here comes Jesus and walks into the scene and he heals that young man and gives him back his legs. And for the first time in his life, he can run, he can walk, he can jump. And the religious leaders at the time, they looked at Jesus and said, hey guy, that's not how we do things around here. That's not the way we do things. And that was their understanding. They were trying to fit this new thing into their old ways, and it didn't quite work. Their culture was more important than what birthed their culture. And so we can't take our understandings and fit the new into it. If he says he's going to make a way in the wilderness or rivers in the deserts, those are things that didn't exist before, and it means that life is coming. I mean, could you imagine me putting the Mississippi River right down the middle of Main Street Panhandle? Life is going to get different, and it's going to get amazing. For the first time in my life, I might be able to grow up to be a pirate. I mean, who knows the possibilities? Because something new has happened, and it's going to get good. It's like Jesus says a lot of times, nobody goes out and buys a new shirt and patches up the old shirt with it. Nobody goes out and buys a new pair of cinched jeans and just leaves them in the closet. I'm going to look at them. I'm going to put them on, and you might even see me strutting them because, hey, I got new sense jeans. It's just my favorite brand. I don't know. But anyway, Jesus talks about putting on the new and then walking it. And it's kind of like a new kid being born in your house. It's something new. It's a brand new creation. It didn't exist before. It may have daddy's eyes. It may have mommy's hair. And it may act like brother or sister, but you can't put a box around it because he's a new creation. She's a new creation. And so when we talk about new, a lot of times we have to get a new gaze on what's going on behind us. And I think that's what he's calling us to when he says, do you not yet perceive it? And we got to have the courage to perceive it because it's going to lead to new days. That new gaze is going to allow us to walk into new days that change the entire world. In fact, in Matthew 16, Jesus is sitting around with the disciples and are having discussion. And he looks at them and he says, who do you say I am? He had been called rabbi. He had been called teacher. And so they start naming out all these Old Testament prophets. These are guys who followed him every day. They start just naming out Old Testament prophets. And one of them actually mentions John the Baptist, which is kind of a problem because John the Baptist was killed a couple days before that. And so he couldn't be that. But Peter finally catches on to something. He finally catches on to this idea that you are Christ, 
son of the living God. And because of that, his whole life was changed. Their whole life was changed. Our life has been changed because of it. His new gaze brought us into new days that fill this book with testimonies and stories of just how amazing life can get and just what we can grasp onto. But it came to that revelation of who Christ was. And because of that, we've walked in their revelation for 2,000 years and we've become totally different people. Everybody in this room, totally different people from who you were to who you are now because of the revelation of who Jesus is in your life. That new gaze has led us to a new days, and it's also opening up new ways, like paths in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I think it was Pastor Matt who said a couple weeks ago, what if? And we're pretty good people about what if the bad happens? What if this happens? What if I catch this? Or what if this happens to you? And we're pretty good about preparing both of those things. But what happens in 22 if God brings you the what ifs of amazing feats? What if God is getting ready to blow your socks off? What if he's getting ready to take you into new places that you never could even pray for because you never could imagine it? It's new ways, new days. He's building streams in the desert, ways through the wilderness, and that means life is coming to you because your understanding of who Jesus is. And because embracing that, you become something totally new. I think it was Pastor Matt who also said a couple weeks ago, I think the last sermon before coming into 22 was, when did we lose our fire for wanting to change the world? When did we lose our fire for wanting to change the world? The Pharisees and Sadducees, once again, Jesus was healing people all the way from Nazareth to Jerusalem. They were surrounded by politics. His time wasn't much more different than our times. Politics-wise, he had the Herods, he had the Romans, he had the Sadducees, he had the Pharisees, he had the Essenes, he had all these other people, all these political groups. On top of that, once again, he was surrounded by sickness. Constantly, everywhere he went, he was healing people. The Pharisees and Sadducees didn't even know who they were fighting for. They didn't even know what war they were fighting. Their fire had gone out a long time ago. Because Jesus walks into the scene and starts healing people left and right, giving them back their vision, giving them back their hearing. And life was different because of the miracles he brought forth, but they couldn't perceive it. We have the ability to perceive it because we have Jesus Christ and we have these callings in our life to embrace. And those new gazes have led us to new days, which are going to open up, or new days, which are going to open up new ways in our life. I'll tell you what I'm in. Back a long time ago in a land far away, I went to college. And I had this degree, and I was going, and I was working at a job in that degree field, which was kind of, you know, different. And so all of a sudden, for 11 years, I was having a good time until I wasn't. Just like that, it was gone. And I'm telling you, a matter of days, I not only lost my career and my hopes and my aspirations, but I also lost my first marriage. Gone, just like that. And I'm talking to a matter of two months. Also lost my last living grandpa during that time. It was a very tough time. And through walking that out and through that restoration process, I finally got a new job. Also met Ashley and we started a family. And that job caused me to have to travel all over the country. And so one of the things I like to do is go and visit churches where I heard pastors on the radio. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Chuck Swindle. He's a very famous pastor, written lots of books. He's on the radio. And so I wanted to go check him out. He's got a big old church over in Frisco, very beautiful church. And so I walked in, sat down, and Chuck is talking about Romans 13. 
verses 11 through 14. And if, if you have a Bible, Romans 13 and 11, this is one of my favorite verses. He says, do this knowing the time that is already the hour for you to awaken up for sleep. So during that transition, during that year, I had to wake up. Something new was happening in my life. Something new was occurring, and I had to embrace it. I couldn't take the past fear with me. I couldn't take the present ideas of what I thought marriage should be like. This marriage had to work better than the last marriage. This job had to last longer than the last job. But I had to embrace that new one. It was time for me to wake up. And if you go through those verses, it says, The night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of right. Let us behave properly. In verse 14, it brings it all up into the summation. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard for its lust. Now, don't take the simple definition of lust and apply it to this situation. That lust was all those fears had to go away. All that failure had to go away. All those hopes and dreams were now shifted and changed into something else because here I was at the start of something new. And I couldn't take those old things with me into the new place. It's kind of like the Israelites crossing over into the promised land. I couldn't take Egypt with me. I couldn't take all that stuff and all those ideas. I had to become something new. And so I think that's what 22 is beckoning us into. Is we've come to a new place and we've come to a new time. And some of you are going to experience some of the most extravagant times in your life in this coming year. But we've got to get a gaze on it. That doesn't mean it's all going to be jelly donuts and champagne. There's going to be challenges along the way. But God has equipped you to enter into those places and do something new. When I heard that verse from Chuck, it just all clicked. It was time for me to awake. And a lot of us need to awake because there's a world, like I said, not much different from Jesus' times. It's filled with political intrigue. There is sickness all around us. And it needs people with solutions to step into those places. And God has empowered you to be a solution wherever you're at. It doesn't matter if it's in your workplace, your church place. It's like tonight, all the church is gathering up to pray. Once we engage in that prayer, things are quite different for us. Things are quite different for everything around us. It wasn't just the apostles getting to see Jesus and walking with Jesus. It was their testimony throughout the ages that made for solutions for us today. And we're still living out that generation to generation. But I had to wake up. It's like Pat ta- or Pastor Matt almost told you, Master Pat, sorry. <laughs> He's been talking about John 7.38. He says, Streams of living water will come from you. And what if Jesus is talking about that way through the wilderness being you coming into an understanding of who you are and the rivers in the desert being those life-giving waters coming from you because of the truth you've embraced of who Jesus Christ is. When Jesus made a way in the wilderness for you, it allows streams of living water to open up. And once you open up to the desert around you, life has to come into play. Life has to advance because the solutions inside of you open up opportunities for everybody else. It opens up opportunities for generations of your places to come. My father's here with me today. My father made a dedication to go to church almost every day of his life. Even as a young man, he was always going to church. His going to church and his dedication to God's word allowed me to be here on this stage today. His prayers and all those people that came before him allowed me to walk in a grace that I never knew existed and allowed opportunity to open up years on down the road. 
because it's been a few years since I've been born, but here I am. And his prayers that started out beforehand allowed me to be here today. I'd like to call the worship team up. There's two occurrences of Jesus and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. In the first occurrence, Jesus and the disciples are crossing the Sea of Galilee, and, a, and Jesus is asleep in front of the boat. Have you heard this one? He's asleep at the front of the boat, and a storm comes in. The waves start crashing around him. The wind starts howling, the lightning flashing, and they all look at Jesus. Jesus, save us. How could you let this happen to us? Don't you care that we're drowning? And Jesus looks at the storm and says, peace be still, and the storm calms down. He's still willing to do that for you in 22. The second occurrence, he sends the disciples on out ahead of him. So here's the disciples in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. And once again, the storm comes upon them. Waves are crashing inside the boat. It's full of water. The lightning is flashing. The wind is howling and shaking the boat. And Peter sees Jesus. And here's Jesus walking across the water. Something totally new is happening in Peter's life. Now, Peter could have looked at Jesus. He could have looked at Jesus and just like last time, cried out, Jesus, don't you care? How did you let this happen to us again? We're drowning. Why did you let this happen to us? But Peter does something totally different. He reaches out his hand. He's going to walk on water inside a storm. My entire life, I've been trying to walk on water from Greenbelt to Meredith to the Texas coast. First thing I do is try to step out on that water. It doesn't ever quite work, but I keep hoping. But it was a different time. Peter's gaze about who Jesus was allowed him to do the impossible. He was stepping out in the storm and he was on top of the waves. He didn't care. He didn't have to worry about the storm. Yeah, it was raging. But here was Peter doing something different because of the revelation he caught of who Jesus was. And that's the year you're about to have. We're already 30 days into this. I've been punched in the gut a couple times. There's things that have happened to me that I never knew could happen before. But I've also seen great success because here I am. And other things have happened to me. My glimpse of who Jesus is in my life have allowed me to see life and that storm on top of the waves. I never thought that possible. I never thought this was possible. Peter's revelation of who Jesus has allowed his mind to open up to new possibilities. I don't have to be afraid of the storm anymore because I can walk on the water. I've got a Savior who walks next to me. 22 is the year you walk on water. 22 is the year that you step out on top of the storm and you don't care because you're flying over the clouds. Because that's the impossible coming alive and who Jesus is in our lives. And so I invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes. A lot of us came in here with storms in our lives. Like I said, 22 has already started out with some crazy things. And we're walking out of 21 that had crazy things. So a lot of us walked into this, this time with a lot of storms around us. But we've also walked into a new year, which means we have aspirations. We have hope about what this year is going to bring us. We have dreams of just how good it can get. And Jesus is ready to blow your socks off. And so whether or not physically, mentally, or spiritually, I just invite you to reach out your hand.
and ask Jesus to walk on the water. It's the year that the miraculous happens to you. And I just also invite you to ask Jesus in this time, what's 22 going to be like? What are we going to do? Because what we're going to do is we're going to take it from on top of the waves. The storms can howl. The lightning can crash. The wind can blow. The water can come inside the boat. But I'm going to walk through this storm on top of the water. I'd like to impart upon you the boldness to step out onto the water. I would like to impart upon you the belief that you can walk on water. All because of the belief in who Jesus Christ is in your life and what He's done for you and where He's willing to take you. You were built and created on purpose and you were created for purpose. Any other lie of the devil has to fall. Any other teaching has to fall. You were built and created on purpose. And you were created and unleashed for purpose in this time. And once we come into that understanding, it's going to sound Hey, that's the message. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. In fact, if you would like to join us as a part of our online campus and you would like to watch the video as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing week.